Going all in on plant foods is a trend that is showing no signs of slowing down. But for those who are all about the muscle gains for their sport and health, should you be concerned that your hard-won muscle growth is being compromised because you've embraced a mostly plant-based life? In this podcast, I'll delve into the key differences between animal and plant proteins, the main supplements on the market for each, and profile the latest research on how people fare for muscle growth when weight training on a vegetarian versus an omnivore diet. Protein is important. I'm pretty sure that you all understand that. It is made up of amino acid building blocks that the body can resynthesize into a whole host of functional and structural proteins. Some of those amino acids are essential in that our body either can't make them or can't make them in sufficient quantities for all of our protein needs. Hence the focus on biologically complete protein, which most animal-based protein foods supply. Now that doesn't mean that plant-based proteins are inferior as even though some sources are low in some of the essential amino acids, combining a variety of different sources easily compensates for this. Rice and beans is an example of a protein complete meal because one protein source makes up for a deficiency in the other of certain amino acids. And then there are some plant proteins like soy and quinoa which are considered complete protein sources. So really it would be dark ages thinking indeed for someone to think that a vegetarian diet is somehow nutritionally inferior from a protein standpoint. Outside of a whole diet, Protein supplements dominate the market for sports people to help meet higher protein needs. Now, I won't go into too much detail on if these supplements are really needed or not, as I did a whole podcast on protein supplements back in episode number eight, which you can check out. So just a quick refresher for today. The main type of animal-based protein supplements on the market are dairy-based and the two main proteins in dairy are casein and whey. They are digested and absorbed at different rates, with whey appearing more quickly in the bloodstream compared to casein. Most protein supplements are based on whey, but that's more due to convenience because of its ready availability. I mean, it's a waste product from cheese manufacturing after all. Whey protein is of particular interest because it appears to have a stronger anabolic effect on muscle growth, thanks to a higher content of a specific essential amino acid called leucine. Leucine is a branch chain amino acid and is particularly popular for its ability to build muscle and activate a protein known as mTOR, which triggers muscle protein synthesis. The whey protein supplement market falls under three main types of protein. First, there is whey protein concentrate, which is typically 70 to 80% protein by weight, with small amounts of lactose and fat in it. It's one of the cheaper forms of whey. Then, next we have whey protein isolate, or WPI. WPI powder is usually 90% protein by weight, with negligible amounts of carbohydrates and fat. Because of its higher protein content, it costs more than whey protein concentrate. And finally, there is whey protein hydrolysate, which is characterized by shorter peptides or amino acid chains. Supposedly, 
resulting in even more rapid digestion. But evidence to date is conflicting. With a growing interest in following a vegetarian way of eating, soy protein is also a popular option. Soy is considered a high biological value, rapidly digested protein. It comes as both a soy concentrate and soy isolate. It's often used in mixed protein supplements and protein bars. While the balance of research indicates that whey protein may have a small edge for muscle building, some studies have found that soy foods to be just as effective as whey protein in terms of its ability to promote gains in lean muscle mass. Pea protein powder is another protein powder that is growing in popularity, especially among vegetarians, vegans, and people with allergies or sensitivities to dairy or eggs. Pea protein is not absorbed as fast as whey protein, but is absorbed quicker than casein protein. There hasn't been a lot of research into the muscle building properties of pea protein, but at least one 12-week study involving 161 men doing resistance training who took either 50 grams of pea protein, whey protein, or a placebo non-protein powder each day saw similar increases in muscle thickness between the pea and the whey protein groups, and both were superior to the placebo group. So there could be something to the pea protein story here. Even studies that use lower quality protein, such as that derived from wheat, can elicit a significant muscle protein synthesis response if greater amounts of it are consumed. And this may be an effective strategy to compensate for its lower protein quality. So the story here is that adequate protein overall in the diet may trump the source of protein, so long as the diet is varied. So onto the crux of today's podcast of how high protein plant-based diets may fare against a similar high protein diet that is omnivore based. Before I jump into drilling down into a recent intervention trial that has just been done addressing this question, I'll look at what the observational evidence may say. Certainly the world of elite sport is replete with athletes who are following vegetarian or vegan diets. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to use the meaningless buzzword of plant-based as it tells you little about how much of a person's diet may in fact be based on plants. Clearly, it is possible to excel at the highest level of sport without needing to eat animal-based foods if that's an important health, environmental, religious, or ethical issue for you. And to support this, from an observational study published in 2016, the diets and physical attributes of 27 vegetarian and 43 omnivore competitive endurance athletes was looked at. Each person in the vegetarian group had followed the diet for at least two years, and there was a mixture of vegan and lacto-over vegetarians amongst the group. There was little difference in protein intake according to body weight between the vegetarians and the omnivores. Although vegetarians ate more carbohydrates and fiber, they did have less vitamin B12, which is not surprising at all. And one interesting finding was that vegetarians had more iron in their diet than omnivores. But because plant-based iron is less bioavailable than animal-based iron, then this may bring the vegetarians back on par with omnivores. So I'll link to this study in the show notes. But the key finding from the study was in terms of sports performance and the differences between the two groups. For the males, there was little difference 
in cardio, respiratory fitness, or strength between the vegetarians and the omnivores. And the surprising finding, though, was in women. Women following a vegetarian diet had 13% greater VO2 max scores than women eating an omnivore diet. So everything looks fairly positive so far for those that choose to follow a vegetarian diet. And now onto the new research published in only June of this year that wanted to see how, when you control for how much protein is eaten, if you can see a difference in muscle growth between people following a vegetarian diet and those following an omnivore diet. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. Now, straight out, this was not a randomized control design study. Instead, 38 healthy young men who are already following a vegan or omnivore diet for at least one year and were untrained were recruited into the study. So there is already some inherent bias here because of the differences that may exist between the people who choose to follow such diets. But there was a controlled intervention, and in this case, it was a matched 12-week supervised resistance training program that was primarily lower body focused, as well as dietary monitoring and intervention to keep protein intake at a level of 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight for everybody. Protein supplements, either soy or whey, where appropriate, were used to help top up protein when needed. Of interest though, for those following a vegetarian diet, they did need to supplement a lot more with soy protein to get to that protein goal. The big question, what happened? As expected, both groups enjoyed the muscle gains considering they were mostly untrained volunteers. There was a significant increase in lean muscle mass across a whole bunch of different body sites by pretty much identical amounts between the two groups, with any differences not significant. And in some cases, the vegetarians gained slightly more muscle mass at one particular body site, while in other cases, the omnivores had higher amounts of muscle mass at another site. All of this was just random biological variation. Now, this was a relatively small study, so it may not have been large enough to pick up significant differences. But if they were there, they would have been very small differences and likely of not much meaningful benefit. And the study focus was mostly on lower body strength, so it's unclear if it can be applied to whole body protein grains. But I can see little reason why it should not. But the results do broadly agree with the greater literature field here, that animal-based protein in the context of a varied and protein-sufficient diet has little advantage when it comes to muscle growth when comparing it to a plant-based protein diet that is also varied and contains adequate protein. Most sources of protein will do the job if you're focusing on muscle and strength gains, with the two most important factors being getting sufficient protein containing a mix of different protein types, which is especially important for a vegetarian diet to get all of those essential amino acids. So here, a protein supplement may be more important. And the second factor is probably even more important. Some really hard work in the gym. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either on the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com. 
www.podcastmarketingmusicgroup.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.